The Money Show. Business Unusual with Colin Cullis. Colin Cullis joins us then as we get into our Business Unusual this evening. It's a good evening to you, Colin. So the need then for grid-scale batteries is intensifying as we shift to renewable energy. Now, what exactly does that mean? I mean, I've always asked the question why we continue to just use lithium as part of our batteries. Is that, is that really the, the, the element we're speaking about here? And also, why? Hi, Amelia. Yes, it is. And uh, a bit like some years ago, you know, when all of the development and innovation seemed to be happening around mobile phones, every year there was a new massive improvement in them uh, until finally they reach a plateau and then not much goes on. Well, it's the energy sector now, and more specifically the renewable energy sector that has had that sort of ramp up of innovation and, and testing uh, methods that were, you know, they, they're, they're not unknown methods. They're, they're all being tested and shown to have promise in a laboratory. Uh, but there wasn't really a, a commercial reason for somebody to try and scale them up and try and get them, you know, commercialized and industrialized to be able to handle them at these sorts of scales. So um, with renewables, they're fantastic at generating, and these days even better at generating, energy at lower and lower costs. This is sort of typically wind and solar. Uh, but the catch with them has always been that they typically generate uh, electricity at their peak during the day when demand is usually lowest and don't generate as much or anything uh, when the peaks happen early in the morning and late in the evenings. That results in what's known as this duck curve, the two little plot lines that they have when you have uh, energy demand uh, plotted as a peak in the morning and the afternoon, and the inverse of that has been a peak in the middle of the day when the renewables go. Uh, and supposedly the shape you get between the two is this duck curve. Well, the, the, the plan for being able to overcome this is to say, well, if you can't generate electricity in the early morning or late at night, with wind and solar, is there a way you can store it? And in the past with fossil fuels, we have a need to store energy because the fossil fuels were incredibly cheap. The power stations were baseload, i.e. they ran all the time. So there was no real need for us to have a storage of energy. We simply generated it, used it. And if we didn't need it, we, we kind of just let it go back into the ground. But yeah. now that now, now those things are changing. One, we need to be mindful of the amount of carbon we're pushing out. And two, we need to get a lot cleverer about making sure that the uh, power is available, not just all the time, but in the areas where it's needed. And I, I read a press release uh, today that made me go, hmm. Uh, it was from a large industrial company uh, that was announcing a 70 megawatt solar project to secure its industrial operations in Limpopo. That bit is good. Renewable source of energy to protect its industrial operations in Limpopo. The bit that made me go, hmm, is that the industrial operation that was looking to secure with clean, sustainable, uh, reliable energy was a coal mine that was contracted to ESCOM. A little topsy-turvy when that's the way you secure the energy network. Uh, but it does go to show that the, that the shift is happening and, and it's probably going to start accelerating. And so what I thought I'd look at this evening is an update on, on previous conversations I've had around that storage part. Lithium-ion, as you rightly point out, is the go-to uh, best in class we have at the moment. It's not to say it'll be the overall best battery option, but it's the one that's had the most testing, the most advances, and now commercially probably the one that's most uh, uh, deployed at scale. It is fantastic for power density and fantastic for power delivery. Uh, but it doesn't last. Its power capacity is is a bit of a problem. And it is very expensive when you really start scaling it up into massive amounts. And as the world shifts to be using a lot more lithium for cars, phones, and just about anything else that is using batteries these days, uh, there is going to be a bit of a pinch on its supply, 
and the and the means by which we acquire it. So this is where other batteries have have, have come into the mix as well. Other chemical based ones. I looked at the flow batteries, uh, which may be a fantastic opportunity for South Africa because the best version so far is the vanadium. Uh, flow battery uh, and vanadium is is mined or it's 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 part of the the, the additional uh, stuff that comes out of the ground when we typically mine for iron or certainly South Africa's reserve of iron tends to have a good percentage of vanadium in it otherwise it is very expensive uh, to mine on its own so potentially South Africa would be able to uh, uh, make an opportunity with that ESCOM does have a couple of these that they're uh, busy testing, or at least one uh, that uh, that they're busy testing to see uh, how reliable it'll be, how easy it is to to build that scale and operate. Um, it is very good for being very, very big. It can handle massive capacity. And unlike lithium, which does have a bit of a lifespan issue, uh, these can be, you know, cycled and uh, charged and depleted many, many thousands of times over. Um, the, the, the catch with them, though, is that the chemicals that they use in them can be, you know, they require some careful care. You, you can't just have anybody getting access to it. Um, and they need to show their reliability over time. Uh, they're also not that great for, for delivering energy very quickly. So if a, if a grid drops or if there's a fault on the line, typically you wouldn't rely on these kinds of batteries to, to fill in. That's where lithium iron is still the best. Then the other category are the so-called mechanical types. Uh, the best one we know is things like uh, pump storage. So these are dams that have hydroelectric systems built into it. Effectively, the dam is the battery. Uh, then other ones that have started looking quite interesting are the, the gravity, uh, the similar gravity ones. And there's some that use a heavy weight attached to a long cable. Uh, and when you have energy, use a motor to winch the, the, the cable up and lift the weight. And then when you need the energy, you simply drop the weight. And as it drops, it drives a turbine and generates electricity. And the, the use case that could be quite useful uh, for South Africa is potentially to hang these very, very large and heavy weights in the old, very deep, disused gold mines uh, for, on the South African, you know, in, in the gold uh, reef area. Uh, and that potentially could certainly get us out of a pinch uh, should we need it. Again, they're not going to be instant energy, but they're the kind of energy that when you need to release it, it'll release uh, a nice steady amount and potentially for quite a long period of time. Uh, the other ones are, are float batteries. They work sort of as the inverse. You you take a, a, a buoyant thing and you pull it under the water. And then when you need the energy, you release it. And as the, the float gets propped or pushed up to the surface, it generates electricity. This one uh, is also a mechanical battery, and it comes from somebody with a fantastic pedigree for potentially uh, looking to create something new. Uh, the country, uh, the company's name is called uh, Steesdale, and it's headed by the man Hendrik Steesdale, not a name like an Elon Musk or Thomas Edison uh, that maybe we should uh, know a little more about, because uh, back in the late 70s, early 80s, this is a Dane who helped us design what a modern wind turbine looks like from the way of conceiving how to create the gears to improving what the blades and how the blades work to getting rid of the, the gearboxes altogether for effectively what is now our modern wind turbines. He has, I don't know, something like 600 patents or something for, for refining it. And he's now uh, changed his focus from looking after how to improve the generation of electricity to its storage. And the best way I can describe this model is it uses hot rocks. A completely bonkers sort of idea when you when you describe it like that. But for the science that's involved, uh, certainly something we've been aware of and, and, and been able to do for quite some time. The test now is, can we get it to scale? Can we get it to the capacity needs? And can we bring it in on costs that allow it to compete, uh, certainly with the likes of 
coal plants uh, and, and, and other things. So here's basically how it works. You take two uh, very large cylinders. Well, the size of the cylinders depends on the capacity you want, but generally speaking, you're probably going to need quite a large cylinder uh, with enough space for air to be uh, pumped in and compressed to a certain pressure. But inside that cylinder, you need some or other rock material. Now, the rocks are, are, are principally to, to deal with a, a small problem in, in, in science that says air is uh, both a, a fairly good conductor of heat. Uh, it can flow and it's compressible. Uh, it's not as good a conductor of heat as, as uh, liquids. Uh, and while liquids can flow, they're not compressible. And, you know, unfortunately, solids are neither flowable, they don't flow, uh, and they're not compressible. So using mm-hmm. heat and these rocks is a good way to say, use the air to flow and carry the heat and then the stones themselves to be able to absorb the heat and, and sustain it. And the great thing about rocks is that they can be heated to significant temperatures and remain completely inert. They're not going to change shape. They're not going to melt. They're not going to explode. They're not going to do any of those things. Well, depending on the rocks you use, uh, and they're looking to try and find now the optimum uh, kind of stone to use. Basalt seems to be a popular a popular option. And then, of course, the size of those stones. You don't want little bits of sand, and you don't want something maybe that's as big as a you know one big rock. Uh, you take your excess energy and you put it into uh, a compressor. That compressor is going to heat the air simply by pressurizing it. And heating that air gets pushed into a cylinder filled with these rocks and heated up to a temperature just over 600 degrees. Uh, and that's you primed your, your, your first system. While you're filling that system, the air that's getting pushed out of the bottom goes through a heat exchanger to reduce uh, the temperature of, of the, of the air, as well as through a special kind of expander. And these, um, uh, um, expanded turbines lower the temperature by expanding the pressure and, and reduce the temperature down to minus 30 degrees. So in the one tank, you've got, uh, hot rocks heated and pressurized to over 600 degrees. And in the other tank, you've got very cold rocks and chilled air uh, down to minus 30 degrees. That temperature differential is a very big part for what helps drive the efficiency of this battery. When you want to take that uh, energy out of the battery, you, you discharge the hot air. It goes to that heat exchanger and drives a turbine, which gives you the electricity. And that whole process then also chills the air down and pushes it back at a not quite minus 30 degrees, but to about 70 degrees back into the first chamber while the, the top chamber clears out and goes into the over 600 degrees chamber, uh, which will reduce back down to about 300 degrees. That's the sort of neutral state for the two chambers. Then when you've got electricity again, you, you add it back in, heat up the one side and chill the other. The great thing about that system, it's a closed system. Uh, it can be redone over and over and over again uh, with what they claim to be about 60% efficiency with an added benefit of also that heat exchanger will, will provide you with natural heat. So you can then use that heat for warming greenhouses, warming homes, anything else that might need a bit of, a bit of heat to, to generate or put back into the actual heating system up in the top if that's going to uh, be useful for the purposes. Sure. Now, yeah. It, it is it is still new technology. It needs to be uh, proven. Um, but, but the reason I raise it is because in South Africa, where there is a, a great need for us to to improve our ability to generate energy uh, and to mm. make a, a lot more energy available for you know South Africans who still lack the access. Uh, sure. The challenge at the moment is it's either fossil fuels, which are relative. Well, they are the cheapest that we have. Or to yeah. look at alternatives like gas, which are great for a short-term get-you-out-of-trouble thing, but I'm mm. not so sure it's a good idea to be investing 20 years for that as a solution. That that looks like it's going to be overtaken by what renewables and batteries can do. And while I think nuclear is a, a very good and clean energy option, it too can't compete 
with the likely for, for innovation and cost yeah, drops yeah. And, and, and the, the time it takes to build. You can build a power plant that even if it's wrong, even if it's overtaken in five years with the technology, could probably still pay for itself, be dismantled and replaced than having to commit to, you know, many, sure. many years building a nuclear power station. So hopefully those combination of things, I've got a bit more details online for people to go have a look at. This is an ongoing conversation about the unusual, but hopefully remarkable work that is happening for creating better batteries to save humanity from our carbon future. Certainly is uh, very interesting. I, I keep saying that as we head towards COP26, it seems like all of these relevant issues certainly keep coming up. Uh, and this is this is indeed one of them. Uh, as we talk about just the storage is going to be so critical to get right. Because if we can do so, then it just makes um, generating that power a little bit easier to do because you then know where to store it on a longer term basis. Colin Cullis appreciated that uh, for our business unusual talking about batteries uh, as we get into renewable energy.